Welcome back to the Meddling Kids Podcast, your groovy review of Scooby-Doo. I'm Julie Kin, and today I'm talking about my all-time favorite episode, Make a Beeline Away from That Feline, also known as Curse of the Cat Creature, also known as Don't Gaslight a Grandant. Um, okay, I made up that last one. This is the episode that started my whole need to make this podcast because I had to talk about how bonkers the plot is. I love it. Okay, we start in New York City and we see a gorgeous old building with gargoyles and turrets. Inside, we see an old lady having disrupted sleep saying, it wasn't me, it was the cat. There's a medallion next to her on the bedside table. It's glowing and golden and has a cat on it. That'll be a theme. When our virtual cartoon camera returns to the bed where the old lady was, we now see a giant cat in a red cape and elbow-length gloves. It's under the covers. This monster growls and climbs out of the bed without remaking the covers. The cat creature climbs out the window despite the terrible weather outside. You know, it's kind of Scooby-typical. Gray, cloudy, lightning, thunder. Meanwhile, we see Fred, Velma, and Daphne trying to hail a taxi in front of a place called Bixby's. Well, I think it's supposed to be called Bixby's Jewelers, and that's certainly what the kids called it. The only problem and the only crime I've seen so far is the atrocious spelling on this sign. Okay, not to get too pedantic here. I know it's not NPR, but it's spelled in the show J-E-W-E-L-L-E-R-S. Jewelers, if it's a double L-A in Spanish, or I guess in some Spanish-speaking countries, it would be a Jewelers. Okay, so I'll try calling it that. We'll see. Jewelers. No one has luck getting a ride, but Shaggy and Scooby pop over with a mile-long hot dog. It's cute, and there are pics on social media, as always. Unfortunately, Scooby eats the whole thing. Predictable, but I like his consistency. Daphne promises that Aunt Olivia will fix you something at her apartment, which is pretty wishful thinking from an elderly lady in the middle of the night, especially since we find out later she didn't really know the kids were coming right then. Huh, kids. Then the most tragic part of the episode happens. Scooby tries to hail a cab and his paw gets run over. Do these kids take him to the vet? Nope, because they hear crashing noises coming from the misspelled Jouéger's shop. Shaggy wipes Schmutz off the window to see what's happened and is scared away by the fierce visage of a cat creature. Then, the second most tragic thing in the episode happens. Scooby has been hopping around on one paw and accidentally falls through a manhole. Or a, a person hole. A dog hole? Okay, a dog hole. While the kids are looking at the wreckage of the Jouéger's store... We see that our main doggy has landed in a heap in the sewer or some other underground tunnel system. All of a sudden, the cat creature comes down the tunnel while carrying heaps of jouéji. This is your first clue that it isn't the old lady. I mean, the first clue aside from not remaking the bed. Because we old ladies always carry large bags. Scooby comes back to ground level and explains what he saw with a mix of pantomime and the best English we've heard so far in the series. Eventually, the fuzz arrives, and they interview Mr. Bigsby about the theft and his terrible spelling. He's especially devastated about the missing Richmond Ruby. Velma posits the obvious. Some cat creature broke in and out using the tunnels. Then the kids notice a glorious emerald earring hanging from Scooby's collar. I'm not sure if they return it or hawk it or what. 
the kids finally arrive after all this at York Towers. Remember where Aunt Olivia lives. Their cabbie gives them a mysterious warning about people going in and not coming out. There's also an unnaturally gigantic doorman to help set the scene as a creepy spot. He doesn't want to let them in, and Daphne does a nice rich girl attitude to get him to open the door. Poor Scooby valets all their bags, with his hurt paw, mind you, and then they get to ride in an old cage elevator to the penthouse. That part's pretty sweet. While they're riding upstairs, we see a cat creature climb up the side of the building with excellent dexterity and swing back into the apartment. Did I mention that in every one of the cat creature scenes, the cat creature is growling like he never stops? We then see the soaking wet cat creature drip water all over the carpet. What a mess. Also, the medallion is glowing again. When the virtual camera pans back, we see disoriented Aunt Olivia holding her aching head and saying, What? Who? She hears the buzzer and alarmedly greets her niece and the rest of the gang. She tells them to come in quickly as she locks about five different bolts on her door. She says they shouldn't have come and wants to show them something. She goes to her bedroom and gets whatever it is. And while she's in there, she notices a huge pile of joyeuses that wasn't there before. She gathers them up and brings them out to the living room where the kids are and tells them about a strange package that arrived two weeks ago. It had a return address on it, but no name. Inside was a strange medallion. She thought it was sent to her by mistake and that the owner would come back for it likely story. She actually put it next to her bed and that night had a nightmare that she turned into the cat creature. In this form, she committed robberies, but she just couldn't help herself. This is some pretty horrific stuff. From the pile of jewelry, Velma pulls, oh, I'm sorry, from the pile of jouezji, Velma pulls out a matching emerald earring, one matching to the one Scooby had found. Shaggy is freaked out and he and Scooby try to leave just in time to meet Dr. Bell Aunt Olivia's super creepy doctor, who has been, um, treating my, uh, nervous condition, which certainly sounds like it's code for something. Fred starts digging through the trash, you heard me right, and finds the old wrapping from the package. So Shaggy and Scooby track down the address, and Velma, Fred, and Daphne go to look for more clues at the Jouezji store. Oh no, Shaggy and Scooby arrive at Gray Cemetery. That night, the aunt goes to sleep using her new prescription from Dr. Bell, but we see the same thing happen. She lies down in her bed, camera pans over to the glowing medallion, and then when it pans back to her, there's a cat creature in the bed under her covers. It growls, goes out on the prowl without remaking the bed. Commercial break. Oh, I mean, let's take a commercial break and then we'll find out what happens. Hi, I'm Jay, and I want to tell you about my new podcast, this Zenial Life is a weekly short burst of stories, insights, health and wellness tips, and more from a Zenial who is still a work in progress. Go to thiszenialife.wordpress.com for details. Listen to This Zenial Life today. We're back. Bixby's Jouagères. Is that getting annoying? Okay, I'll stop. At Bixby's Jewelers, the kids look at a pic of the Richmond Ruby. Care of Mr. Bixby. The kids look around for clues. Velma finds a trap door where the cat creature got in and out. In the graveyard, meanwhile, 
we're getting pretty close to a part that when we watched this as my son was a little tyke, he was terrified by. This was his favorite episode, just like me. But when we got to this part, we had to pause, warn him it was coming. He would run out of the room or hide behind a couch and then come back after it was over. Okay, so I don't want you all to be too scared. I'll warn you as we get closer. Scooby pretends he's a giant chicken to get out of going in, but Shaggy and he both get scared, jump on a tree branch, and accidentally break into the cemetery when the branch breaks off. They both land inside. Shaggy and Scooby find a totally weird statue of the cat creature in full color in the middle of the cemetery. The other day, my kids were talking about what kind of monument they would make for me when I die, and I think it involved dogs and Powerpuff Girls, but maybe I'll print them a pic of this to give them ideas so they can start saving up. Shaggy and Scooby are freaked out, and I can understand why. Next to the statue is a mausoleum flanked by two more cat creature statues. Who would bury themselves with life-size angry cats and capes? And does this mean that the cat creature is a ghost that's haunting Aunt Olivia? As they walk away, they come across another cat creature statue, and Scooby nonchalantly bonks it on the nose with his paw. Unfortunately, this one's the real thing. So we get a chase scene. The kid and dog accidentally get locked in the mausoleum. Meanwhile, we see Fred, Velma, and Daphne going through tunnels under the city. They hear a fierce cat that turns out to be just an alley cat. Back in the mausoleum, Scooby lights a candelabra, and they find a box labeled, The Cat Creature Who Shall Rise Again. Scooby jumps on top just as the lid starts to lift. It's just the other kids. Nope, that wasn't the part my son was afraid of. Meanwhile, we see the cat creature growl loudly and go down another person hole in the graveyard. Now the kids hear the growls coming from the box that leads to the tunnels, and the cat creature joins them inside the mausoleum. More chasing. Fred figures out how to escape, and then there's more chasing. Okay, it's getting closer. Shaggy and Scooby pause the chase by pretending to be hot dog salesmen. They open up a bun and trick the cat creature into putting his finger in it. They add toppings, including ketchup, so you know they aren't in Chicago. Then Shaggy says those fateful words, There you go, sir. Bite right in. And we hear a sickening crunch as the cat creature chomps his own finger and the pain quickly registers. Yep, that was the part that my son hated. The cat creature holds his injured finger and growls furiously as the laugh track enjoys his pain. Shaggy and Scooby make a run for it. The kids reunite at York Towers and are surprised that Haskell, the creepy doorman, isn't there. Velma assumes he's on a break, but we see him hiding behind a potted plant in the lobby. Back in Aunt Olivia's apartment, the kids consult again with Dr. Bell. He gives yet another prescription. Jeepers, Doc. Ever heard of CBT for insomnia? There's a lot of really good solid treatments out there. He leaves and promises to check in on her in the morning. House calls are cool. Do rich people still do this? The kids notice that Aunt Olivia is absentmindedly holding a piece of green cloth. Turns out to be the cloth that was ripped from Shaggy's shirt by the cat creature. Wow, I guess she really is the cat creature. Fred disagrees with this assessment and puts one of his overly complicated plans into effect. The next scene is adorable as we see Scooby and Shaggy in identical pink nightgowns and sleeping caps tucked into Aunt Olivia's bed. Picks online, of course. These reluctant heroes are terrified by the sounds of thunder outside, so Scooby gets up from the bed to close the window. The camera follows him, and we see the medallion glowing. He freaks out and dives back in bed next to the cat creature. Oh no, Shaggy's been turned into the cat creature this time. 
Scooby doesn't want to fight this monstrous version of his best pal, so he hides in the closet. The cat creature yanks off the closet door and starts emptying the closet of clothes to find the pup. Scooby's about to flee through the bedroom door when Fred slams it open and Scooby gets trapped behind it. Fred and the girls see the cat creature and assume he has done away with their friends. They head for the stairs while Scooby tries to use the elevator. He makes sassy faces at the cat creature while he goes down. Unfortunately, the cat creature leaps on top of the elevator car and tries to pry open the top panel to get at Scooby. For the record, none of those parts scared my kid at all, just that finger chomping. Back in the lobby, the other kids see Scooby and the cat creature chasing each other in the lift. That's for you, Tiff. Scooby plays with the buttons and makes the car go up and down until it slams down and the cat creature looks defeated. Scooby resiliently bounces out of the elevator car, but the cat creature just slumps down. Fred removes the mask to reveal Dr. Bell. During the denouement, you know, the part after all the action when they discuss the plot, Daphne explains what happened. It's simple, Aunt Olivia. Okay, Daphne, nice try, but no, this is the most complicated plot so far. Basically, Dr. Bell was using Aunt Olivia as a front for hiding his stolen jewels. He hypnotized her with a medallion to think she was the cat creature because she was so suggestible. The handwriting on the prescription was the same as the handwriting on the address, so they knew it was from the same person. And although they didn't state this, I'm guessing the prescription was for heavy sedation. But then we come to the most bonkers aspect of the app and the reason it's my favorite. Everyone wants to know where is Shaggy? And Velma explains that these old Upper East Side apartments have lots of hidden rooms and panels. She pushes on some sort of art deco paneling and the wall with the bed turns around and we see a completely identical bed on the other side with Shaggy sleeping peacefully. He wakes up and is thrilled to see everyone. In typical doggy fashion, Scooby jumps on him and snuggles up. Unfortunately, this makes the wall spin around uncontrollably and they both fly out the window, but hang on by gargoyle. Of course, they have to make an obligatory pun about just hanging around. However, instead of picking on that, let's get back to these identical beds. So, the cat creature made a secret room in Aunt Olivia's apartment and put an identical canopy bed with identical bedding and sheets and everything. Why did it need to be identical if Aunt Olivia never even saw it because she was sedated and asleep? Why did he even need a room there at all? If it was just Dr. Bell, couldn't he just hypnotize her and then go away? Maybe he's homeless and was living out of there? I mean, yeah, Upper East Side, that's expensive. And why did the dude have to dress up like a cat to climb in and out of the bed to gaslight her? She was asleep. And why the cat costume at all? I mean, I guess it adds intrigue and covers your face. It just seems like a mask would have been more efficient. Anyway, I love the idea of a secret hidden room that was there for no reason. It makes my day. And I love that the cat creature has gloves and a cape. Just such a great episode all around. But I do want to give a serious note about nightmares. They are pretty common, especially if you've experienced trauma. However, there's good news. There is actually lots of really good treatments out there for nightmares and other sleep issues. This is one of those areas of medicine where we actually have really good stuff for you. So if you want to hear a review about treatment for nightmares and suggestions from an actual sleep doctor, you can check out episode eight 
of a Better Night's Sleep podcast. It's one all about nightmares. And it's one of those shows I produce for the military community. You can also check out a free mobile app we made. It's called Dream Easy. Just the word dream and then the letters E and Z. It's all about imagery rehearsal therapy for nightmares. You probably want to see a doc, but the app will get you started and tell you what you need to know. Thanks so much to Dave Sestay for the use of our theme music. Thanks to my husband for supporting this weird endeavor, even though he doesn't quite get it, but kind of pretends he likes it. Thanks to Tiff who moderates our Facebook discussion group. It's called the Meddling Kids Podcast and Scooby-Doo Discussion Group. You should join us there. Just remember, when you're picking out your matching bedding for your hidden hidey hole, you would have gotten away with it if it weren't for us meddling kids.